I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. Today, I am sharing with you audio from an Instagram Live I did with Tori Dunlap of her first 100K, all about money and the Enneagram. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rose right now is the magic of moose. I have curly hair, and I don't always wear my hair curly, but I've just kind of started wearing it curly again. And I haven't owned moose in so long. And I recently purchased some like Aussie moose randomly. And it makes a really big difference if you have curly hair. Just like styling your curly hair is a it's a it's a big difference. Um, so thank you, Moose. My thorn for today is that it is spring cleaning time. And not it's kind of a thorn because my brain cannot stop thinking about all of the deep cleaning that like I want to do, but that want has now turned into need. Like I'm like obsessed with it, but I also don't really have the energy to do it. So I'm kind of trying to do little bits here and there. And I've decided I'm going to take a different approach this year to spring cleaning. I'm going to do a little bit every day instead of like one big spring cleaning overhaul. Um, So we'll see how that goes. So it's kind of a thorn, kind of not. I actually kind of love cleaning, to be honest. And I think once I start, it usually gives me energy. But right now, it's just kind of like this thing that's bugging me in my brain. My bud is I'm vlogging this week. So I'm pre-recording this episode. So from Thursday through Saturday, I'm vlogging my trip to my Airbnb. I'm also vlogging my garden setup. I'm setting my garden up this Saturday. And I love to vlog. I just think it's really fun. That's the kind of YouTube videos I like to watch. I just like to feel like I'm FaceTiming a friend. And I like to like watch vlogs and eat lunch and just kind of feel like I'm socializing. And maybe that's a weird thing to say. But because I enjoy consuming that content, I love to make that content. So I'm excited to vlog for like the next four days. Looking forward to that. As a reminder, today's episode is a bit different as it's from an Instagram live. So you may hear Instagram specific references and sometimes the tone or the sound quality is a bit different, but this conversation was so good that I didn't want to like hide it in my little IGTV hole on the internet. I wanted to bring it here to you guys on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy. Tori is absolutely brilliant, absolutely amazing. You are going to love her. Have fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the live. If you're watching the replay, um, hello, hello. Um, We are talking with Tori from Her First 100K today um, about money and all all good things. Um, So I'm going to bring Tori on. Hi, everybody. If you're here and you're watching live, you can put your questions down. Hi, Tori. It's so good to see you. You look amazing. Oh my gosh. My, I'm doing a YouTube series where my husband picks out my outfits and he picked this out today and I'm like into I it. need a husband who's going to pick out my outfits. You look amazing. Thank you. You're cute. Oh, I'm showing up. I like just washed my face literally 10 seconds ago. I was like, okay, I should probably wash my face today. That might be a good thing. 
honestly, like washing your face is one of the greatest joys of my life. Oh, truly. I like, I do not feel put together for the day until I've washed my face. I mean, I have no makeup on, but I was like, I, at least I have to wash my face and get clean before I come talk to you. So, oh, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited. To thank you for having me. I am like the biggest Enneagram nerd and have loved your work for so long. So this is fantastic. I'm so excited to be here. Mutual respect. I love it. Um, so first of all, are you comfortable sharing your Enneagram type? Sure. I am a classic two-wing one. Oh, nice. Um, I love that because I feel like a lot of times online, our brands don't match our Enneagram type. What what Enneagram type did you think I was? Well, I didn't have a guess, but I think your brand is like very um, not compliant. Like, I'm, I, I've got a big of an eight brand. Yeah, and I like yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It's part of what I love about it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it very much is, you know, fuck the patriarchy, <laughs> stick it to the man. Like, we're going to learn how to better our money as a, as a form of protest. And yeah. from my understanding, at least of the Enneagram, and you know way better than me, but, like, twos can go to eight, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of our kind of – so, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm my badass, like, bitch self, I'm, I'm an eight, very much so. so. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, so for people who are watching, who aren't familiar with your work, let's just give them like, you gave them a little bit of a taste, but tell them what you do. Um, and then how, how you got into it. Yeah, sure. So I'm the founder of Her First 100K, which is a money and career platform for women. So I work as a money speaker and educator. I don't believe we have any sort of financial or any sort of quality until we have financial equality for marginalized groups, especially for women. So I teach women how to save money, how to pay off debt, how to invest, how to negotiate their salaries, how to start online businesses. And we're a community now at Her First 100K of over a million financial feminists fighting mm-hmm. the patriarchy through talking about money. So it's my favorite thing to do in the world. And uh, this business started on the side of my nine to five. It was my side hustle until I took it full time uh, a little over a year ago. So it's been a crazy ride mm-hmm. since then. That's amazing. You, I can't believe you just took it full time like a year ago. I can't either, to be honest. Mm-hmm. At this time last year, I had about 30,000 followers. We were community about 30,000, and now we have over a million people, which is wild. So, wild. Thank yeah. You. Um, which I think you, you did something really beautiful. And, like, the reason I jumped on you, like, as soon as I saw your content, I was, like, in. Um, and I think it's because you are filling that gap, and you're, being, you're speaking to the fact that, yeah, women, um, unless we are willing to talk about money and deal with money and yep. – negotiate our sat like negotiate our salaries or pay you know ask for what we deserve to be paid then we are like we're not trained as children to get paid no paid appropriately no and the crazy thing right is we're told that talking about money is taboo Mm -hmm. wanting money is evil you should just be grateful for the opportunities you do have you shouldn't ask for more Mm -hmm. money right and all of these narratives are perpetuated by the patriarchy so you have these old straight white guys who already have wealth and who already have power who are telling you Mm -hmm. okay well don't talk about money and don't Mm -hmm. want money because it keeps them in power, right? So the more that we subscribe to that belief, subscribe to that narrative, the more they profit off of our silence. So actually, 
getting your financial shit together, learning how to be financially educated is our best form of protest. It's our best form of protest against an inequal, inequitable society is feeling mm -hmm. financially confident, having resources and having the financial agency to, you know, get out of situations you don't want to be in anymore or to start a business that you've mm -hmm. always wanted to start or to donate to causes you believe in, right? Uh, when you have just a little bit of money, a little bit of financial agency, everything starts to change. Yeah. And it does, it opens up choice and it opens up, it right. does, it's like sharing the power. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I, we've seen a huge, you know, resurgence since, you know, uh, June and the Black Lives Matter movement, as well as, of course, you know, since 2016 and Trump getting elected, mm -hmm. you know, we're protesting and we're, you know, voting and we're donating to places and we're calling mm -hmm. our representatives. And I also need you to add getting your financial shit together as part of that, too, yeah. because you have more money and agency to do all of those things. You have more influence when you do have, even if it's just, you know, a little bit of money in the bank to cover you in case of an emergency. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, one of the things I loved about finding you too was just like, let's, let's start saving money and like, let's build right. wealth. And, right. not, and I think for someone who like grew up a poor kid, like learning that like, yeah, I should focus on building my wealth. Right. That felt like so counterintuitive and kind of like, well, if I have money, I should give it away or I mm. should buy what I want right now. Right. Um, and learning, like really thinking of building wealth as a, as a positive thing yeah. versus what I saw as an oppressive thing. Yeah. Um, because it did feel like this is what people in power do and people in power haven't always been my friend, right? Or the friend to the vulnerable. Um, and so you kind of like opened my eyes a little bit to like, yeah, they're in power because they have, they're, they're doing, they're taking over. Right. And there's nothing wrong inherently with having money, right? Mm -hmm. It's what you do with that money that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, I think that we've largely been told as women that money just isn't for us, right? It's just not something that we should be good at, not something that we should want. And mm -hmm. we, we see this all over, right? Wall Street is the most masculine place. We have like a bull, the like most masculine symbol in front mm -hmm. of Wall Street. We have you know, all of these people who are talking about wealth are largely straight white men. So mm -hmm. that's really what I'm trying to do is how do we have these conversations, you know, in a way that feels accessible in a way that does feel larger than us, mm -hmm. so that it feels less intimidating and less, yeah, scarcity mindset kind of oriented. Yeah. Um, okay, so you said you were an Enneagram nerd. Can we yeah. go into Enneagram on this? Yeah, I love it. Okay. So I usually, I'm like, here's what a type one is, here's what they struggle with, and then we'll, I give you the space to answer. But if that's redundant, I don't have to do that. I know some types better than others. So okay. it would probably be good for me. And if we have any other viewers from my community, it'd probably be good for you to give kind of the overview. That would be great. Awesome. Okay. So let's start with type one. Type ones are the perfectionists. So they yep. really want to do things like the best possible way. Um, they hold themselves to really high standards. And there can be a little bit of like um fear that they're not gonna do it perfectly like they need yeah. to do it the, like all the way or maybe they'll procrastinate on it um if that's my money story like if my story if my life story is that like what would my relationship to money possibly look like and what are some oh. yeah i would say the biggest reason women actually don't get started investing is fear 
fear of doing it wrong, fear of making a mistake, fear of losing all of their money. And so actually, you know, this would be predominantly with ones, we could see a lot of ones avoiding investing or keeping all of their money in a savings account because they're worried they're not going to do it correctly. But we actually see this for pretty much every woman. That's the number one reason women don't get started investing is just they're they're afraid. They're afraid they're not going to do it perfectly. So I'm just not going to do it at all. And that is what holds us back from wealth building because investing is the key to building wealth. It is the key to growing our money passively over a period of time. So especially for ones, and I think for a lot of women, uh, this, this fear of doing it wrong, so I'm just not going to do it at all is, is something that manifests all the time. Um, and when we say investing, will you tell us like exactly what that means? Sure. Yeah. So um, we hear about the stock market a lot, right? Especially in the last couple of weeks, we've heard a lot about the stock market. There's, you know, so many different ways to invest. When I talk about investing, I mean, long-term investing, mm-hmm. meaning putting your money in the stock market for a long period of time. We're talking like decades long period of time a lot of this investing the uh you know information that's getting thrown out right now is day trading short-term investing all of these things are really risky behaviors and are not how the average person grows wealth so when i say investing i mean putting your money in a tax advantage retirement account like a 401k or an ira and i have a ton of information uh, on my igtv Mm -hmm. and on my website as to what those things are um but investing is the only way we all can afford to retire actually it's the only only way that we can afford to retire and stereotypically or statistically speaking women actually wait longer to invest than men or don't invest at all and it's keeping us behind financially oh that's so good okay um so you know number two you know what type two so yeah. tell me about type two for me i mean type two's like core motivation is i just want to love and i just want to be loved and <laughs> that manifests for me in pretty much every aspect of my life um, and as a two wing one it is, you know, I have those one tendencies with the two. So um, I read about a two once and this sums me up of like, tell me what you like about me, be specific. <laughs> That's something that I still, my, my friends and family tease me about because it is so true. They will like say something nice about me and I'm like, oh, that's great. Tell me more. Tell me exactly <laughs> what this person said about me. Um, and I do, I mean, and a lot of ways I I have trained myself out of how a two might manage their money. I think I do go more to the eight element of just like, nope, I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to make sure I'm taking care of myself first before, you know, taking care of others. I'm going to put on my, my oxygen mask before taking care of others. But I think that might be the issue for a lot of twos. Yeah. They do feel guilty about saving money for themselves or, you know, growing wealth because they're like, oh my gosh, there's so much poverty. There's so much chaos in the world. Like I need to take care of everybody before I can take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And actually one of the best ways, right, we can show up and serve other people, especially financially, is making sure you have put your own financial oxygen mask on yourself first. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having that financial stability, having that emergency fund makes not only your mental health better, but just your financial life better, knowing that you can go out and serve serve people in your community, serve your friends and family, knowing that your shit's taken care of. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. Um, type threes or achievers. Mm-hmm. They are like, um, you know, it's kind of like this idea of like, if I get here, if I achieve this thing, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have time to be happy. Right. Um, or there's always like another, another success symbol that can be brought in. Right. I think probably threes will have an issue with wanting to project their wealth or wanting to feel 
like, okay, uh, you know, this goal isn't good enough. I'm going to hit this goal and I'm going to, you know, I'm not successful unless people outwardly see me as successful. Mm -hmm. So I could either see this as, yeah, you're not happy enough with just saving $5,000. You got to save $10,000, right? Or being Mm -hmm. so concerned that other people are viewing you as successful that you're maybe buying things that are lavish or buying things that are clearly designer goods or, uh, you know, getting caught up in very much like I have to have the best thing in order for me to be, you know, seen as the, you know, financially the best. Uh, And that might manifest in other types too. Yeah. One of the things that you, I learned from you and uh, is just kind of like the idea of like pairing your values with your money. Um, And I kind of like thinking about like, oh, if I'm buying like the nicest car I could have, is that actually aligning with my values? Right. Um, I feel like that would be totally relevant to to our threes. Yeah, I think money is very interesting, right? Because there's so much shame and judgment around money Mm -hmm. all the time. And Mm -hmm. especially as women, we're largely told, you know, that a lot of the things we like to spend money on are frivolous or ridiculous, like lattes. Mm -hmm. That's a very gendered thing, right? Mm -hmm. Or makeup or clothes, right? And I am never going to tell you to not buy something. I'm never Mm going to tell you to deprive yourself of the things that you actually like. That just might mean that you don't get to spend money on everything, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm focused, like, I don't know if you can see, I have a couple behind me. I have 50 plants in my tiny little <laughs> 650 square foot apartment. For me, that's where the, a good chunk of my discretionary money goes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge coffee drinker. That's not where my money goes. So mm-hmm. that's what you kind of have to figure out when you're exploring, you know, how to balance saving and spending. I want you to spend your money on things that you actually like. I want you to spend mm-hmm. your money on things that you actually love rather than feeling like you have to spend your money on a bunch of different things or on what, you know, you should be spending your money on rather than the things that you actually like. Mm, so good. I'm like snapping. <laughs> um, okay. So type fours Our type fours are, they have the sense that there's something missing in them and that they need to get it from outside, outside of themselves. Sources. So they're kind of looking for anything to make them complete. I mean, this is, yeah, you can see how this crosses over into money of if I buy this thing, I will be happy now. Right. Mm-hmm. Emotional spending of, Oh, I'm not doing well. And I just saw an ad on Instagram for butt scrub, which is a real thing that happened to me. I was like, <laughs> my life is not going great. Pandemic sucks. I, you know what I need? An almond butt scrub. And everything, butt. everything will be solved when my ass is as soft as a baby. Yeah, like, great. Everything will be fixed. And of course, yeah. we know that that's not the case. So I think that, you know, we all have that impulse purchases, you know, purchase gene in us or that thing Mm -hmm. that, you know, makes us spend money uh, and things that, you know, we don't really, again, don't really like or haven't really thought through. And I actually have a free course if anybody's watching. It's all about how to stop emotional spending. Um, So that's linked in my bio. Um, But yeah, I I think we're all guilty of that. But fours might be especially guilty of that, of kind of shiny object syndrome when it comes to, to money and thinking, okay, if I buy this thing, all of my problems will be solved, right? And it's yeah. kind of, it's like the diet pill culture, but for money of like, okay, mm-hmm. well, if I just buy this diet pill, suddenly my life will be better. And it's like, mm-hmm. we know that's not the case. And we know actually that these companies know that, right? And so that's their marketing of, oh, well, you know, again, buy this thing and everything about your life will be better. So making sure that not only you're checking your emotions before you buy something, but also that you're thinking through, is this company making me feel a certain way in order to spend money? 
Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Like recognizing where their messaging is even right. triggering that part of you that is already naturally inclined to be afraid. Right. Ugh. Okay. Our type five. So our type fives, they're really big on managing their resources um, to the point where maybe they like don't want to give. Like they're like scared of scare. They have like a scarcity. Yeah. Can happen. Yeah. Scarcity mindset. I mean, we can see this with their saving, right? Where maybe they feel so worried that, you know, money's not going to come easy to them or that they're not going to be able to, you know, make, make rent next month. And whether that is a real fear or not, maybe they're so concerned that they're, they're want all of their money where they can see it. And actually, again, we see this a lot in women, right? We see women sometimes when they are building their savings with like tens of thousands of dollars in a checking account. And like, I need that working harder for you in an investment account, but it might not, you know, you can still see your money, but it's not like right there. Right. Mm -hmm. So that might be a, a cause of concern for fives is maybe they're so focused on, okay, I, you know, I need to have my money and I need to be able to see mm -hmm. it, that they don't take advantage of things like compound interest. Right. Because they want, mm -hmm. they want their money right in one spot. So that's, you know, something I could see manifesting as well as, you know, on the, on the really negative side, maybe they're so concerned with like when they go out to eat and they're, you know, they're buying their meal and they're not going to, you know, if their friend asks to split their check, they're like, no, no way. Mm -hmm. Even if maybe they could afford it or if, even if maybe that's not the end of the world or maybe they feel, you know, nervous about donating or nervous about, you know, giving away money. So that might be something mm -hmm. to explore too. So good. Okay. So our type sixes, they're safety and security oriented. They want certainty. They're like not, they're pretty risk averse. Um, yeah. They also just like, like to be prepared and like to know like things are like, and a lot of times we say worst case scenario thinking, I kind of think of it as like, they want to make sure it's going to be a good outcome. Mm. Yeah. That, I mean, I would say it's very interesting. Uh, Cause I'd probably say the same thing that I said for fives of like, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're not interested in investing because they're nervous about what the outcome's going to be. And I think it's really important that, especially when we talk about uh, risk, you know, averse, or we especially talk about women as risk adverse that we actually mm -hmm. use risk aware, because mm -hmm. for me that, that completely changes the game. It's they know what the risk is, but they're choosing, you know, to to analyze their decisions based on that, as opposed to like, I hate risk. That's and I'm so not going to consider it at all. Right. Yeah. Risk aware is like, no, I know. I know what the risk is rather than feeling like mm -hmm. shut down by it. So, yeah, we could see sixes, you know, not invest their money. We could also see them just really focused on the here and now rather than on, you know, their future. So maybe they're so focused on short-term goals or on just paying their bills now that they're not saving money for things like retirement or a vacation next year or a down payment on a house, right? Because they're worried about that money leaving or, you know, them not being able to uh, feel equipped to consider those longer term goals. Oh, so good. Okay, type sevens. Oh, sevens. Um, yeah, I'm a type seven, and I'm like, yeah, I know Are you? stuff is. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm a counter type, so I can okay. look like it too. Okay. Um, okay, so our, our sevens are, we just like to feel good. We like to be happy. We want everything we want. They don't want to feel tied down. They yeah. love their independence. Yeah. Just like make me feel good. Anything that will make me feel good. Totally. We have a similar thing, I think, to fours where emotionally mm -hmm. spending of just like, I'm going to buy this thing just because I want to. 
it is, I think, a different thing, though. Fours might think, okay, I'm going to buy this thing and it will make me feel better. Sevens are like, YOLO, it's fine. Like, I'm just going to spend my money on whatever I want, right? And, of course, when you do that, you have the consequences of, you know, not saving for future you, not saving for your future goals. Um, and I think it's also interesting with sevens because they view, uh, you know, some sort of stability sometimes as restricting their independence. Mm -hmm. So they view, okay, maybe the classic, you know, like square lifestyle of you know having savings having a good job having stability mm -hmm. as these things that are bad right they're limiting mm -hmm. their independence they're putting them in a box and i would just encourage sevens to consider are there ways that you can maybe make a steady income that doesn't feel completely you know awful to your lifestyle mm -hmm. is there a way that you can consistently save money that doesn't feel like an absolute drag so how can we you know balance again saving and spending uh, and frame it in a way that is like, no, this is for future you. And one of the things I like doing with clients is we hear the question a lot, like, are you a saver or a spender? And the mm -hmm. truth is, we're actually all spenders. So even myself, who saved $100,000 at 25, even me, who you know, has grown this multi six figure business now, mm -hmm. like, I will still spend this money, I just might wait 30 years, right? It might be 65 year old yeah. me who's spending this money or 40 year old me. So when you are thinking in terms of saving, I think it can be really helpful for sevens and any other type to think about, okay, I will spend this money, just not right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that because I think it offers, yeah, the freedom, that financial freedom is, is I'm guaranteeing that for future right. me instead right. of like the freedom that I feel in this moment, buying whatever the I want or whatever the hell I want like right now um I can think of it as like oh that will be there down the road and I, right. I'm building that from future me right rather than it feeling restrictive or limiting now yeah, yeah. totally um okay so type eights um our type eights are the they're like the challengers. They want to be yep. in control. They love more. They just like want more of everything and they seek intensity yeah, eights are fun. I am friends with so many eights and I have I a lot. Eights. I have eight energy most definitely. I think that um, one of the things that, that can happen with eights is maybe they are so focused on doing right by their money in terms of like mm -hmm. voting with their dollars and in terms mm -hmm. of making sure that every single dollar is going to an organization that never kicks a puppy and doesn't cause, you know, gaps in the ozone layer that they mm -hmm. can, you know, it's hard to see the forest from the trees at that point. Mm -hmm. It's just like a sustainable life practice, right? Of like, we're not going to be able to solve climate change single-handedly. Unfortunately, you are not going to be able to use every single dollar in your capacity to, you know, completely, utterly change the world. I'm not saying you don't try, but also be realistic, right? And don't get frustrated, right? If sometimes you do have to buy something from Amazon, or if you do have to spend money that you didn't plan on spending. Um, so I think sometimes I think we can get caught up in, and oh my gosh, everything, every single thing I have to buy has to be, you know, a great for the environment or great for, you know, women owned businesses or anything like that. And of course, keep doing that. But also don't beat yourself up if, if not every dollar is going where you want it to go. We unfortunately, you know, we live in a capitalist society where not every single dollar that you make can be spent in a way that feels sustainable. Um, and don't beat yourself up about that. Oh, that's so good. I think that also speaks to something that we often miss with our eights, which is that they're like really hard on themselves. And like, oh, yeah. we miss, like, when we talk about eights, we're like, oh, they're like straightforward with their challengers, like they're strong. And it's like, yeah, and they're really, really 
hard on themselves. Oh yeah. My eighth, my eighth, my friends that are eights are very much like, I'm going to burn it to the ground. And if I am not like the first person to get there, like I have failed, right? If I'm not the first person to say that this is wrong or to call out bullshit or to, you know, mm -hmm. to be there, then suddenly I'm not showing up in the way that I should be. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is something that, that, uh, yeah, just give yourself some grace, everybody, but especially mm -hmm. eights. <laughs> I love um, okay, so our type nines, our type nines are the peacemaker. They just like want to feel <laughs> like everything's all right, everybody's okay, we're chill, um, unfazed, and they tend to like want to numb out. When life's really stressful, they want to numb out through whatever kind of way they can find it. So maybe that's scrolling through Instagram, watching TV, right. that kind of thing. I would say similar to fours, you might be emotionally spending, you might be triggered to spend money on things that you don't really like. You also, if you're just trying to keep the peace all the time, you might be mm -hmm. sacrificing your own relationships with money or your own relationship mm -hmm. with money in order to spare and to sustain your other relationships. So maybe again, you're going out to eat, even though you can't afford it because you don't really feel uh, you, you know, you're not maybe brave enough or you don't have the words to be able to tell somebody, Hey, that's not in my budget right now. But like, I enjoy you spending time with you and I enjoy hanging out with you. Right. Um, and I would say if you're a nine wing eight, maybe that's not as bad, not as big of a deal for you. Um, but what is it? Nine wing one, right. Uh, that might be, that might be a bigger deal. So making sure that, you know, you are honoring your own needs, um, because you'll have resentment and bitterness grow if you don't. And especially when it comes to money, like maybe, you know, maybe your family members are struggling and maybe your friends are struggling and you want to give money to them. Right. But again, you're not taking care of yourself first. So make sure that that is balanced. Make sure that, you know, you're not so focused on trying to keep the peace that you end up sacrificing your own self to do that. Serious question. Did you know that it doesn't have to hurt when you wake up in the morning? I didn't. I didn't realize how much my mattress was impacting my sleep. And I am not telling you that as someone who is gratefully sponsored by a mattress company today. I am telling you that by someone who has gotten a new mattress recently and no longer hurts when she wakes up. I just was accepting that this is how it felt to be a person in a body. I had no idea what I was missing. Which brings me to today's sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep has a quiz and it takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Because why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? Everybody is unique and Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from, soft, medium, and firm mattresses, even mattresses great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. I took the Helix quiz and I was matched with the Plus mattress because I wanted something that felt medium and I sleep on my side and my stomach around all night, but also it's specifically made for people in larger bodies, which I think is incredible, like just a completely incredible. So if you are looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched to, and the mattress comes right to your door shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Just go to helixsleep.com slash egram, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. A hundred nights. I knew this was the mattress for me after like night one. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. 
but you will. That's the thing with these online mattress companies. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, you're giving me a hundred nights, but how am I ever going to get this mattress back to you? They will pick it up for you if it's not a good fit. But like I said, it's going to be the right fit. It's amazing. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash egram. That is helixsleep.com slash egram for up to $200 off and two free pillows. Thank you so much, Helix, for supporting today's podcast. And that's so, I think what you touched on is so good too, because it is like you're, sometimes we're sacrificing what is actually good for us um, in like, in the name of keeping peace or maintaining peace. And that, that fear of like speaking up or interjecting or saying like being a dissent, like being in dissent um, is a big for our nines. It's a really big one. Yeah. And twos have it too, but I think it's more, it's more selfless. It's more like, okay, I don't care about myself. Like, I just want you to be happy. And then the resentment grows over time because they haven't honored what they want. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I see a lot of two in that too. Two, two in that comma T O O. Yeah. Um, Okay. So we've covered our nine. If you guys have questions, um, you guys can put them in the comments. Uh, Yeah. We are talking about the Enneagram. If you're looking for what we're talking about, um, we're talking about Enneagram types and you can find your type. Like my mom commented and said my book. So my, (laughs) the honest Enneagram is a good book for you to grab. Thanks. Um, okay. So when it comes to money for all of us, if you're like, you're getting into the game, you're you're like, okay, I want to build wealth for myself. I want to yep. step out of these patterns. What would you say is like step number one for just kind of getting into this journey? Yeah, I have a whole uh, like step-by-step guide that's for free. If you could just go to my website, herfirst100k.com slash start, I literally guide you through step-by-step. But the number one thing you need is an emergency fund. Even mm-hmm. if you have tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debts, whether that's student loans, credit cards, like, I really don't care. Like, I need you have emergency fund first. It needs to be in a high yield savings account, the one that I recommend linked in my bio. But it's really important to have something in, uh, in your savings before you start paying off debt. One, because we don't want you going into more debt trying to pay for an emergency. And two, just from a mental health perspective, it's just so good to know that you have something in the bank to take care of you for a while should you need yeah, should you need some money. So an emergency fund, most definitely first. And the other thing that I see a lot of clients uh, do is they get to the end of the month and they're like, where the hell did my money go? Right? They check their bank balance or they check their credit card statement. And they're like, I spent money on that. Like, I don't even remember. So starting to track your money in a way that feels really intentional is so important. So logging your purchases, really looking at your statements, figuring out where your money is going, even if that makes you feel uncomfortable. So, you know, getting yourself a glass bottle of water wine and literally making a financial self-care day of like Mm -hmm. a half hour where you can look at your money. We're so focused on self-care as a culture and it's so Mm -hmm. great, but we're not talking about money as finance as Mm self-care, right? So sitting down and actually getting honest with your money, even if that makes you uncomfortable is going to be one of the most transformational practices. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I love that you called it a financial self-care day because I think that like that flips the switch in my seven brain and I'm like, this is a fun thing. This is right. a good thing. Well, and make it fun, right? So maybe it mm -hmm. is, you know, you've saved an episode of your favorite television show for this time or you're ordering takeout from mm -hmm. a favorite restaurant, right? If we're going to get comfortable being uncomfortable, I want you to ease yourself into mm -hmm. it. So yeah, get yourself a down comforter cocoon, like make it as fun as possible to do potentially a really unfun thing. And then it will start to get better over time when you do see progress towards your goals, right? And when you do see that you're gaining that financial confidence. Mm -hmm. So when I, well, first of all, I want to say I love the way that you approach this kind of growth, because for so long, I was trying to find like, financial experts and people who are talking about money. And every time I just thought like, they're mean, like, so, yep. not, you know, certain people no, they are. They're mean. That we talk about all the time. You know, you're outwardly really talk about. They're like mean or shaming or um, kind of create an environment in which they completely ignore privilege and yep. completely ignore like circumstances and mindset. Systemic oppression. Systemic all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I love that you approach it with the, the lens of like, yeah, this is real. You're like the idea of telling someone to save and to invest and to all, do all of this while ignoring systemic oppression, I think is gaslighting. And totally. so you're, you're actively saying like, yeah, this is happening and we can take action on our own to, to be a part of stopping that. I appreciate you saying that. That really is the goal of my work. We can't just mm -hmm. talk about how we have to talk about how we got here. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can't just talk about how to pay off debt, how to save money, how to do this. Unless we also discuss the fact that women are making less than men. And the fact that if you're a woman of color, you're making less than a white woman. And mm -hmm. if you're, you know, a differently abled person or a member of the LGBTQ community, right. These are all things that are going to affect your money. Money is inherently political and we need to talk about it like it is, right? We need to have these conversations that acknowledge, okay, here are the things you can do. Here are the steps you can take. Also, systemic oppression exists. Crazy thought, right? So there's so many financial experts out there, one in particular who I have a personal vendetta against, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they don't acknowledge systemic oppression and they make you feel shame or judged, right? And not only is that not productive, that's not helpful in you actually getting better with your money. It is gaslighting. You're exactly right. Is it's telling you that the reason you're not rich is it's entirely your fault, right? And it's mm -hmm. not maybe some decisions mixed with a whole bunch of systemic baggage on top of that. Mm -hmm. So my work is all about, yes, giving you actionable resources to better your money while also having the discussion around how money affects us differently. Yeah, so good. And I, I think there is like, I, you know, I called you branded eight brands, but I think there is a lot of twoness <laughs> in in that energy of like let's walk through this together yeah. like you you're not like there's nothing wrong with you you're okay you were hurt and like we're gonna get through this totally that's uh, how that's how anything intimidating that's how we start to talk about it right is mm -hmm. it's not you know shaming you for quote-unquote stupid questions it's you know it's through non-judgmental communities where mm -hmm. we fully acknowledge we were not taught this stuff right and mm -hmm. the only reason I am as financially educated as I am is because I had parents who were committed to teaching me about money mm -hmm. and with that privilege for me came a responsibility to do the work that I do um, so yeah my community is really committed to non-shaming non-judgment bring your questions bring your curiosity and let's walk mm -hmm. through this together because that's the other thing is if we don't talk about money and we feel shame, shame lives in shadow, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't talk about it, if you don't talk about the fact that you're 
in debt and scared, or you don't know how to invest, or you haven't negotiated your pay and you know you're getting undercompensated, right? If we're not having any of these conversations, it's really easy to convince yourself that you are the only person going through this, right? You're the only person who feels this way and you don't know what to do, right? But when you have a community of everybody talking about it, you feel less alone and you feel more excited because you know that this person also cares about the same things that you do. Yeah. Uh, okay. So with the people in the comments who are like, yeah, but I want to negotiate my pay, but like how, and I'm scared. And what if they say this thing or that thing? Yeah. Um, what kind of, what's our hype up? How do we even start that conversation? I have a whole course about salary negotiation and asking for a raise. So uh, I also have a free free course and a free ebook and uh, links in my bio if you for whatever reason can't can't support me or can't uh, can't buy the course. But really, the big thing is to think of negotiation as a collaboration, not a conflict. Mm -hmm. So people walk into negotiations thinking like, okay, I got to unsheath my sword, I got to put on my boxing mm -hmm. gloves, and I got to fight to the death to get what I want, right? And that's not a negotiation. That's a fight. That's mm -hmm. an argument, right? And you and your potential boss or boss are not on opposing teams. You are on the same team trying to mm -hmm. problem solve. That is all mm -hmm. a negotiation is, is solving a problem. And the problem is you're not being compensated fairly, right? Mm -hmm. So if you approach it from like, hey, this is just another day in my job of problem solving. The problem mm -hmm. just happens to be more personal. That can really help with your attitude and with how the negotiation goes. Because I see a lot of people... Either they're so scared that they don't negotiate at all, or they feel like they have to walk into a negotiation and like demand what they want and be really, you know, it is a collaborative process. And it is something that you should bring a lot of joy and curiosity into rather than fear, scarcity, or like, you know, F you pay me. That's not yeah. the attitude we want, right? Maybe on the inside, but not on the outside. So <laughs> walking into these negotiations, thinking of them as collaborations is really, really important. And uh, yeah, I have a full course on it. I have a script in the course, the exact script about how to ask for a raise, what you should do if they say no, what you can ask for besides money, how you, do, you can negotiate other benefits besides that. Um, but yeah, negotiating, I think, is one of those things that we're just taught to do all the time, or we're told we should do, but no one tells us actually how to go about doing it. So mm -hmm. that's part of my work as well. I love that. And I love that you have a course with a specific script because yeah. it's just like you need, sometimes we just need that. I remember having 100%. a conversation with an old roommate and a friend of mine. And it was like a guy and a girl and they went for the same job. And he, oh, no. he like negotiated and they both got hired, but he negotiated a $10,000 more a year salary yep. because he asked. And, and it wasn't that they wouldn't have given it to her, but she just like, you know, we're not trained to ask right. and to, to want more. Well, and we're told repeatedly by society, and I'm still told this. I'm told this every day on TikTok. I'm told this every day on Instagram that I should just sit down and shut up and be grateful for my opportunities, right? And we're told this as women. And I imagine if you're a woman of color, you're told this even more frequently, right? You should just be grateful for what you have and not rock the boat because you could get fired, right, if you do. I hear this all the time. Like, oh, my God, if I negotiate, they're going to let me go or they're going to revoke the job offer. Mm -hmm. they're not going to do that. They're not going to, especially if you do it in the right way, right? If you do it in the right way, they're not going to do that. So, you know, of course, gratitude is important, but also demand what you're worth and make sure that you are advocating for yourself because I don't want you to miss out on literally, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of earnings just because, you know, you, you didn't ask and you didn't feel equipped enough to ask, you know, yeah. is my friend Erin from Brooke Millennial has this great phrase of, um, she says, is an uncomfortable conversation worth hundreds of thousands of dollars? Mm. 
right? Is like one yeah. or two uncomfortable conversations worth hundreds of thousands of dollars? The mm-hmm. answer is probably no, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, it's not worth it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, okay. So the other thing that I know I want, people are going to want me to ask is, well, what if we, like, what if we're in debt and we yeah. feel just like hopeless? Like it feels yeah. like, how do I even do this? And like, I've yeah. already failed. I think debt feels like you're drowning, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things, actually, it's been proven that women get into debt disproportionately to men because they don't understand how debt works. It's mm-hmm. back to the financial education piece. They just don't, nobody's taught this, right? We just don't understand. Mm-hmm. So I will do a quick, quick TLDR of what debt is. Mm-hmm. So let's say we put $1,000 on a credit card, right? And that is, mm-hmm. you know, you're taking out a loan if you do not pay that off. Same thing, put $1,000 in student loans, $1,000 mortgage, whatever that looks like, right? So $1,000, and then it, let's say it's at 10% interest. Credit card mm-hmm. is going to be way more than that. But for ease of math's sake, let's say 10%, right? So now we are paying 10% interest on $1,100, right? On $1,100. Mm-hmm. Then we're paying 10% interest on that $1,100 becomes, you know, whatever amount next and next and next. So you're not just paying interest on the original amount of money, aka the principal, you're Mm -hmm. also paying interest on all of the interest. The interest Mm -hmm. is compounding. And especially with credit cards, we see this and with a lot of student loans. So that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons debt can feel like you're drowning is because you're like, I've put all of this money and like, where did it go? It's going Mm -hmm. to the principal and the interest and the interest that is causing more interest, right? So one of the best ways to pay off debt is contribute, or excuse me, continue to contribute your monthly payment amount, maybe that's $400 to your student loans. And then I need you to contribute extra money to the principal. So what that looks like is literally calling up your loan provider and asking them, how do I contribute extra money to the principal of this debt? Because sometimes they're going to have you send that extra money to another address, or they're going to have you send it in another way. And I need you to make sure it's going to the principal, that original thousand dollars that you took out rather than just like, you know, going to the lump sum of money. So not only contribute, continue to contribute, you know, your monthly payment, but if you can contribute any extra money you have to the principal balance of your debt. Oh my gosh. That's like mind blowing to me. Like that's just like you just told me a secret. I kind of did, but you know why it's a secret? Because the debt companies are not going to tell you this because Mm -hmm. they make money off of you the longer you're in debt. So when um, I paid off my car last year, but I had a car loan for like three or four years. And I remember my first year I got like an extra $50. It was Christmas or something. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to contribute extra money. And what happened was I just sent in $50 extra as part of my normal payment. And they deducted $50 from next month's. So it didn't really do anything for me, right? It saved like future me $50, but like it didn't actually help. And when I called and I said, I want to contribute this money to the principal, they were like, oh, well, okay, that's great. But you need to send this money to a PO box in Iowa. Here's the address. Oh my gosh. Can you repeat the question? Yes. Call your loan provider and ask, how do I contribute to the principal of this debt? How do I contribute to the principal of this debt? Sometimes it's totally the same. Other times, like my case, it was not. I had to send extra money to a different address in order for it to go to the principal. And this is the kind of thing that 
debt companies, you know, student loan providers, credit card companies, car companies are not telling you, right? Because the longer you're in debt, the longer they profit off of you. Oh, that's so big. Like it is just like, that is how we do that forever. It's how we land there forever. And I think you, you mentioned something about like not knowing how debt works. And I think with me, at least student loans, it felt like, oh, my college is free. Like someone, like, cause they give it to you and they're like, here's, you know, this is how we're paying for your college. You have this much in scholarships, this much in grants, and then this much in loans. So it's paid for. You're good. And it's so easy to just be like, okay, sign on. Well, and that's a larger, it's like John Mulaney, right? Where he's like, you made me sign at 17, 18, like, you know, my life contract, like, you know, he does, yeah, yeah, $120,000. And that's the thing, right? And these are why I'm, I'm, I'm trying to have conversations not that are not just like how to pay off debt, but like, we have predatory companies who are fully aware that you're 18 and don't know any better. They're fully aware. They know who their clientele is. They're not necessarily giving you super actionable information to be able to read your loan, you know, statements or read your loan uh, criteria in a, in a way that you understand. So yeah, this is the larger conversation we need to be having too. It's like, how do we demand better of the companies that we work with? How do we, as much as we can make sure that we're working with companies that are transparent and that are committed to education rather than just, you know, profiting off of our lack of education. Mm, so good. Okay. So I know that there are like so many outlets and so many different ways to work with you and connect with yeah. you. If you were to point everyone to one place, if you're like, come meet me over here, where yeah. would you like them to start? I mean, obviously come find me on Instagram. We have over 120,000 financial feminists who are learning about money. So I would love to have you uh, as part of that community. And her first hundred K.com literally has We have spent, me and my team have spent hundreds, maybe probably thousands of hours at this point creating free content for you. So there's free Mm -hmm. courses. There's also paid ways to work with me through coaching or those paid courses. We have so much information and Mm -hmm. I've been telling this more to my followers as well. I need you to not be a passive consumer of content, both for, Mm -hmm. you know, for both of us, for both of our accounts. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much that we do and there's so much time that we put in and value we provide people. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the worst things that we can do is create that content for you and be like, oh, that's cool. And then never have you look at it again or never Mm -hmm. have you actually make changes in your life. Nothing changes in your life unless you change it, right? And that sounds so obvious, but I think we sometimes expect that all of our problems will just be solved if we want it bad enough, right? But nothing changes in your life unless you change it. So whether that's your money, whether that's getting more equipped and understanding more about who you are and how you, how you fit into the world, please make sure that you're actually taking this advice and, and using it to better your life and investing your time and energy into bettering your money bettering your relationship with yourself and with others because Mm -hmm. nothing changes unless you change it. So long story short, herfirst100k.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, but yeah, I would love to see you. I think you offered like a Black Friday maybe or like a Christmas Mm. or New Year's special or something. I, on one of your courses and I, I snatched it up and I took it and it was so good because it just like, thank you laid it all out and like made it for me as someone who like just gets really overwhelmed by numbers like that, it just made it so actionable and simple and walks walks you through it step by step. So I think you're probably talking about back to basics, which is my signature course. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. under a hundred dollars. It's literally like how to stop emotionally spending, how to start saving the budgeting Mm -hmm. method I use. That's no apps or spreadsheets required. Uh, Mm -hmm. The accounts you should have, it's like personal finance one-on-one. So yeah. yeah. So if you're wondering where to start, that is the perfect place to start. 
Mm-hmm. Thanks for supporting me too. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. My pleasure. I like love to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love to support you. I love to support you. I love your shit. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tori, for joining and taking time out to do this. This was so fun. Of course. Thank you for having me. And let me know how I can support you and everything you're doing. Anytime. All right. All right. Talk to you soon. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.